Hello and welcome to another podcast brought to you by Life Community Church, Leamington Spa. Recorded at one of our Sunday morning services, we hope this message inspires, equips and encourages you to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Morning, how are we? Come on, let's just stand up to our feet. We're going to pray together before we get into the Word of God this morning. It's great to be with you, great to see you. Summer's coming to an end, but the sun is still shining, isn't it? So let's, um, let's raise our hands to heaven if we're comfortable with this. To prepare your hearts to receive God's word this morning. None of us want to leave here the same. We want to hear what God wants to say to us. So Father, this morning I pray for those under the sound of my voice, but your voice this morning, Lord. Whether they're listening on podcast or here in this room today, we pray that God, you help us all to hear your word, to understand your word. And most of all, we'll be able to apply your word, that our lives will be changed, that we'll move from here different and not the same as when we came and all God's people said amen amen please grab your seats welcome if you're new here my name's Dave I'm one of the leaders here it's my joy and privilege to unpack today's message today which is a one-off message so entitled down but not out so who knows that um, change is here to good to stay isn't it change is here for good while we're still living and breathing and on planet Earth, change is something we, we know about, experience. Maybe in our lives, we've experienced many changes in our lives. Um, it hasn't stopped. There's, there's still more change to come. And maybe if you're a person that doesn't like change, I, I like things the way they are, well, change is always going to happen. Our bodies are changing all the time. Cells are being reproduced. And, and in our lives and situations of our lives, there is change that is always happening. And, uh, you know, if you are a, um, I don't know, Going from a transition of being a single, single man to a married man, who knows that involved change? I couldn't enter my married life the same as uh, if I did, if I lived as a single person married to Leanne, who knows that wouldn't have end, ended very well for myself. <laughs> so I had to adapt, as Leanne had to adapt being a, a single lady going to a married lady. Who knows? Give us a wave if you've ever had children. Who knows that you couldn't do life the same before children as you did after children. You had to change. Yes, maybe your children were changing along the way, but you had to change too. Um, and sometimes it was a baptism of fire, you know, and there's no sort of guidebook about how to, how to bring up children the best way possible. You know, there's different advice, but yeah, we have to change all along the way. Change is here to good. In our work life, in our, you know, Moving from one house to another house in situations of life, we have to change all the time. But you know, with change, you know, can come different emotions, can't there? Sometimes in the changing seasons of life, we can be facing all sorts of situations, thinking, how am I ever going to get through that? How am I ever going to get through that? And sometimes we can feel a sense of being down in our emotions, and sometimes we can feel a sense of, I don't know if I'm ever going to get through this. It could be a health scare. It could be whatever it is. Change is always around us. But God wants us to navigate change well, doesn't he? Amen? God has equipped you and I to be able to navigate change well. I don't always feel like I can. Well, we can, and today we're going to be looking a bit about that. But give us a wave. You've heard of a boxer called Tyson Fury. Okay. Well, whatever your viewpoint of Tyson Fury... Okay, I know he's, he's, I know he's got a, a born-again uncle, and, uh, and he would say he's a believer, 
But whatever your viewpoints of Tyson Fury, he's made the headlines in recent years for good and for not so good uh, things that he's particularly said. He has made a massive comeback. He was, he was um, at the height of his game and through various things like mental challenges and also, I guess, the wrong people being around him in a public sphere that he wasn't used to. You know, did anyone see the documentary about Tyson Fury a few weeks ago? Yeah. Okay, it was a great insight into, into the man Tyson Fury. And as a result of that, he went into decline. And he put on weight. He went to 27 stone. And you see that image there on the top right. There he is, not at his best. But some people around him believed in him. Who knows it's good to have people around you that believe in you? We need friends, don't we? They say you you can't choose your family, but you can choose your friends. We need to choose our friends absolutely carefully. And his trainer, that person on the right of him in that image, believed in him. And so he started a comeback. And I believe it, Mike, I believe it's in one year. In one year, he shed all that weight to then enter his next boxing match, where he became number one heavyweight in the world, boxing. I don't know all the facts and figures of Tyson Fury, but I know, and whatever you think about him as a person or his reputation, that is one comeback, isn't it? That is one comeback. Down, but not out. There's a phrase that I don't like the sound of. It's the the phrase down and out. It's used in two different um, contexts. One, it's it's referred to people that might be hard on their luck and their times and maybe homeless or not have many possessions. They're down and out. It's also used in the boxing sphere where someone receives a punch and the referee judges that that fighter is no longer able to fight. They're down and they're out. Can I say this for you? If you're a, for all of us, if you're a Christian here today, and if you're not yet a believer, we can be down, but you don't have to be out. And God wants to equip you and I in the changing season of our lives to know how to navigate life so that when we are down, and we do get down sometimes, not just in our emotions, but in our circumstances, we do not need to be out. Amen. Here's a, a Bible verse for us found in Romans chapter 10, verse 10. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And one of the the ways that we can navigate through the changing seasons of life and the changing situations of life, how how to navigate change is through belief, but also through confession. The thing is, we can think, well, I'm a a believer. I I believe in God. I believe in the goodness of God. And I believe he's got a good plan for my life. And you can believe well. But can I say, the Bible says even the demons believe and tremble. But there's power in belief. And when that belief makes its way into our mouth and we confess and declare in our mouth, God, I believe you've got good things for my life. I believe that your best days are ahead of me. I believe that you can navigate me through this difficult situation. It's got to move from belief to confession where we believe that God is good and we start to act upon it. We start to live differently in light of what God has said to us. That's one way that we can navigate the changing seasons of our life. When we're down, but we do not need to be out. Turn to your neighbour and say, you you can be down, but not out. Come on, turn to the other person and say, and that includes you too. Down, but not out. Fantastic.
And here's a, here's a thought I just want to just leave us today. We've got to change with our change. We've got to change with the change. In the changing situations and seasons of life, if you stay the same, who knows, like I said at the beginning in terms of marriage or children or circumstance, if you stay the same, then it's not going to see end well. We've got to change with our change. When you start a new job, when you start university, maybe the old habits that got you there aren't going to sustain you there. You've got to change with the changing season of your life. Get some good habits. Get some good thoughts. Get some good prayers. Get some good declarations. Get some good friends. Get some good alignment in our life. Alignment is really, really important. We've got to change with a change. So turn with me in the Bible to um, 2 Samuel chapter 9. Quite a well-known Bible account if you've been in church for any season, but if you haven't, do not worry. We don't assume that people know the stories of the Bible. We like to unpack them and explain them and see how God's principles can apply to every single one of us. In the sense of we've got to change with our change. Which is an account which is talking about King David. King David is a, uh, about, the Bible talks about him being the greatest king of Israel. And uh, he's on a roll. He's, 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 he's doing well in life. He's doing well in his battles. Israel is strong. Um, and this, this account is called the David's kindness to Mephibosheth. Everyone say Mephibosheth. What a funny name that is, Mephibosheth. You can barely pronounce it, Mephibosheth. I can't even pronounce it without dribbling, Mephibosheth. So, when you're at the top of your game, top of your career, and for David, he's at the top of his kingship at the moment. And it says this, now David said, is there still anyone who is left in the house of Saul? that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake. And there a servant of the house of Saul, whose name was Ziba. So when they had called him to David, the king said to him, Are you Ziba? He said, At your service. Now a couple of things just mentioned there. So we've got um, a few names here. King Saul. King Saul was made the king um, of Israel before David. Okay? And, and King Saul had many sons, but he had one son called Jonathan. Now, at one point, King Saul wanted to kill David. David had been anointed by the prophet Samuel to be the next king. So David lived for many years knowing he was going to be the next king, but King Saul was in place. And it came to a point where King Saul did not like David and wanted to kill David. And King Saul had a son called Jonathan. And Jonathan and David became best of friends. But it was more than a friendship. It was a covenant friendship. It was a covenant friendship that ran really deep. The Bible talks about their soul was knitted together. And Jonathan made a covenant commitment to David. A commitment to David. Wow. He loved David as his own. He loved David as as much as himself, the Bible says. And then David and Saul, not David, sorry, Jonathan and Saul, his father, were killed in battle. And so now David is one day thinking, I don't know, maybe he's on the, the rooftop of garden. He's looking out and he's thinking, mulling over to himself, is there someone left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? 
Can I say this? Normally when there's a change of dynasty, there's a change of kingship, anyone that remained of the previous um, dynasty or, or, or kingly line would be executed. We wiped out. That's what they did. Why? Because they didn't want to, anyone else to come in and take the throne, be viewed as a threat. So they'd wipe out the dynasty. But here you've got the complete opposite. David is declaring, who can I show kindness to? Because, not because of Saul, I honour Saul. I did not agree with him trying to kill me many times. I honour him, but because of his son, who can I show kindness for? That will even honour, bring honour to the line of Saul. And then we hear about Saul's servant called Ziba. And he comes and says, at your service. Then the king said, is there still not someone of the house of Saul to whom I may show the kindness of God? Wow. What does the kindness of God look like? What does the kindness of God look like? Give me a wave if God has ever been kind to you. All across this room, people, God has been kind to people. If God never did anything more to me, he's been kind enough for me. The very fact that he's brought me into relationship with him, the king, has been kind to me. The kindness of God. And Ziba said to the king, there is still a son of Jonathan who is lame in his feet. So the king said to him, where is he? And Ziba said to the king, indeed, he is in the house of Machir, the son of Amiel in Lodabar. And the king David sent and brought him out of the house of Machir, the son of Amiel, from Lodabar. And this is where we see the entrance of the character called Mephibosheth. There are two Mephibosheths in the Bible. Um, one is who is King Saul's son, and this is King Saul's grandson. And this is the one that we're focusing on today. But look at this in verse 3 there. Zebra refers to Mephibosheth as the son of Jonathan, yes, but the one who is lame in his feet. Pointing out something that is a disability to this person. We all have disabilities. Some of them could be physical, mental, emotional, spiritual. When we mess things up, verbal, the way we speak with our mouths, we all have disabilities. But would you like it, and would I like it, if someone referred to me as Dave, the person who, and uncovered my flaws and my ills? To be referred to as a person who is lame in his feet is an unkind thing. But that's what we've got at the moment. And we see Mephibosheth living in a place called Lodabar. He finds himself in a place called Lodabar. What happened to Mephibosheth, just so you know, and we see this in 2 Samuel 4, verse 4, is when news of King Saul's death came, the person who was looking after Mephibosheth, his nanny, suddenly thought, oh no, I better take Mephibosheth to a safe place in case assassins come to try and kill him because they want to wipe out the dynasty. So she quickly grabbed up Mephibosheth, who was aged five, and went to run to take him to safety. And as she was running with him, aged five, she dropped him. And as the course of dropping him, he then became lame in both his feet. So we see him now in the house of Machir. Since that time, um, 
um, Machir, the son of Amiel, has been looking after Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth needs the help of someone to look after him. And he's been under the, the tender care of Machir. That must have changed Machir's life for good. I don't know much about Machir, but whoever Machir was, maybe he thought, I'm going to be doing this with my life. And suddenly he's looking after Mephibosheth, who can't walk, in a place called Lodabar. Well, Lodabar means no pasture. No pasture. Think of a place. Have you ever seen a place which has been all the grass is dead? There's no cattle around because you haven't got the green grass that's needed for past, uh, cattle and sheep and that cows to be able to, to, to feed. It's just barren. It's wasteland. And we see Mephibosheth in a wasteland called Lodabar. A physical place, but maybe even a, an emotional place. What does Mephibosheth think about his situation? What does he think about the fact he hasn't got a father, a grandfather? He needs someone to look after him. His nanny dropped him at the age of five, and now look at me, I cannot walk. How would you feel if you were in Mephibosheth's situation right now? In a place with not much prospects called Lodabar. Then King David sent and brought him out of the house of Machir, the son of Amiel, from Lodabar. Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, had come to David, he fell on his face and prostrated himself. And David said, Mephibosheth? Because David never seen him before. He wanted to know who it was. And he answered, here is your servant. So David said to him, do not fear. He's probably come before David thinking, am I going to have a sword at the back of my neck? Am I going to lose my head today because he wants to wipe out the dynasty of King Saul? of whom I am his grandchild. And David says, no, do not fear, for I will surely show you kindness for Jonathan, your father's sake, and will restore to you. Everyone say restore. I will restore to you all the land of Saul, your grandfather, and you shall eat bread at my table continually. Let's unpack what's happening here. David's had in his heart, you know, I want to be kind. I want to be good. I'm going to look, and now I've got this person who's lame feet, and David has not once mentioned his lameness, has he? David has not seen his lameness. He might have seen it before him. He's not made mention of it. He's just seen someone, for the sake of that person he made a covenant with, that he can show the kindness of God to. And we see what he does. He makes him an owner of land. He makes him a landlord. He's going to restore to him the land of Saul. Here we've got someone in Lodabar who is in need of handouts from Machir in a desolate place. And suddenly he is being given land. If you've got land, if you own land, you are prosperous, you are wealthy. Land. He's been given land. Imagine if someone gave you, I don't know, a huge mansion. And you're used to living in a flat. Nothing wrong with flats, but suddenly you've got this massive amount of space and ground. The first thing I think is, how am I going to mow that lawn? <laughs> and he's being made a landlord. And now, for the sake of, his, of being kind and because of his covenant with, with Jonathan, he says, you shall eat bread at my table continually. There's an invitation for Meshibbeth the, the cripple, sounds unkind, Mephibosheth, the person who cannot walk, 
Mephibosheth, the invalid. And whatever labels we want to put on Mephibosheth, suddenly he's had an invitation to not once, not twice, but continually eat bread at King David's table. Imagine if you had an invite from Queen Elizabeth to come and dine with her and her family. I'd feel, really, I'd feel probably a bit nervous, put on my best suit and, you know, and, uh, but I'd probably feel a bit inferior, I'd probably feel a bit sort of, you know, everyone's in their pristine condition and I'd feel different things. But that's how Mephibosheth might be feeling right now. And so we continue very quickly. Then Mephibosheth, he bowed himself and said, what is your servant that you should look upon such a dead dog as I? And now we're getting an insight into what Mephibosheth is really thinking about himself. Because a dog in, in these times is someone, it's a dog, would be a wild dog that would go from village to village, town to town. And they'd be looked down upon, they'd be the scourge of towns and they'd be hated. But to Jews in this culture, anything dead was unclean. They wouldn't go near anything dead. So now he's referring to himself as a dead dog. Do you sometimes refer to yourself, not as a dead dog, but do you refer to yourself in negativity? I can never do that. I will never do that. I will never be like that. Often we compare ourselves with other people. It's okay for them, but look at me. I was crippled at the age of five. I've been relying on handouts. So who am I? I could never do this. I could never be that. And even in this invitation of the king, he says, who am I? What is your servant that you should look upon me? Such a dead, dead dog. Can I say this this morning? That king David was not looking at Mephibosheth as a dead dog. He was looking at someone that he could give the kindness of God to. Turn to the person next to you and say, God wants to be kind to you. Church, the, thing, the reason is this. It doesn't matter about your background, your negativity, what you even think about yourself, what you've been through, your situations, your circumstances. God loves you unconditionally and God wants to lavish his love upon you. And love is active and love involves kindness and goodness. God loves you so much. He doesn't see you as a dead dog. But when we come to faith in Jesus Christ, he sees us through the lens of Christ's shed blood for us. And he sees us perfected in his sight. And in verse 9 we read, And the king called to Ziba, his tall servant, and said to him, I have given to you, I've given to your master's son all that belonged to Saul and to all his house. You therefore and your sons and your servants shall work the land for him, and you shall bring in the harvest, that your master's son may have food to eat. But Mephibosheth, your master's son, shall eat bread at my table always. Now Mephibosheth... Now, Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Isn't that interesting? He's saying to Ziba, the, the servant of Saul who's now dead, he's saying, actually, you and your household and your sons, your 15 sons and your 20 servants, all of you are going to serve now Mephibosheth, the one that you called lame in both feet. Isn't it amazing how God can turn things around? God is the turnaround God. God can change our situations, the changing situations we feel ourselves down on our luck or down the sense of how am I ever going to get through this? He can turn it around. 
Not because of your goodness, not even about what you think of yourself, but because he is good, he is kind, he is loving, he is faithful, he is God. And Ziba said to the king, according to all that my lord, the king has commanded his servant, so will your servant do. As for Mephibosheth, said the king, he shall eat, he's repeating it again, David is, he shall eat at my table like one of the king's sons. There's not just an invitation to join David and his sons to eat at his table. There's not just that invitation, but there's also the invita- invitation to eat as one of the sons. Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micah. So even in his, in his disability, he's, he's now got a family. And all who dwelt in the house of Zeba were servants of Mephibosheth. So Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, for he ate continually at the king's table. And he was lame in both his feet. And we have a situation here where he's now eating bread at King David's table. His servants, Zeba, and his family and servants were going to work the land for him, bringing the harvest for Zeba, for, sorry, for Mephibosheth, but he'd actually need that because he's eating at the table of King David. Three things very quickly. Got to change with your change. If you don't change with your change, we're going to see a lesson in this, but we've got to change with your change. So number one, to change with your change, think differently about your, number one, your new position. God has invited you and I to the king's table. Not King David's table. King David, as good as he was, had many faults. Murder. Had an affair. But let's not point the finger because we all do wrong. But we're talking to the fact that if you're not yet a Christian here today, God, better than David, God Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, God would call you into relationship with him. And that makes all the difference. What does that look like? He's calling you to the king's table. He wants to put a robe around you and call you his son and his daughter. Because when when our new position around the table as a son or daughter comes all the privilege of being a child of God. Do you believe that this morning? Do you believe that if you're here today and you know have a relationship with Jesus Christ and your new identity in Christ means you have privilege? You have, number one, access to God in prayer. God's ear is open to your prayer. God loves to hear your prayer. God loves to hear you say, I love you. God loves to hear you say, I need this, God. Your position makes all the difference. You're at the king's table. Maybe you've got to think differently about that today. Maybe the next time you get into a changing situation, how am I going to get through this? Maybe you've got to think, actually, as a son, a daughter of God, I'm going to refuse to worry as my immediate reaction. And worry, we all worry. We all get fearful. We all get scared. But rather than make that default position, say, my position is before the table of of God. God, I'm going to come to you as your son, as your daughter, and I'm going to start to to believe for a greater change, a better change. Start to declare something in faith to God because of your new position at the king's table. It makes all the difference. Number two, you've got to think differently about your new provision. At the king's command. At the king's command, everything changed from Mephibosheth. Everything changed. At the king's command, servants became his servants. 
the harvest produce became his harvest produce. What is your lack? What is your need today? What is it you're saying, God, I need this in my life? Ask God. God promises to meet our needs. He promises to meet our needs. On the word of scripture, he promises to meet our needs. God, I need this. Would you come through for me on this? Would you, God? Would you, God? And seek God. Ask God, your heavenly Father, so he can send the provision according to his command. God wants to provide for you. God was working behind the scenes in Mephibosheth's life, even when he was in his thinking negatively about himself. Even when he thought, I'm in a place of no pasture. Nothing good could ever come from this place. Nothing good could ever come from my life. I've got no future. I've got no hope. But God knew all the time that he could make a difference. And he was already sending the provision ahead of him. Do you need provision? Ask God. Ask your heavenly father who loves to give you, loves to feed you. He loves to clothe you. Loves to give you what you need. Emotionally, maybe you need friendship. Maybe you're in a lonely place. Well, God would love to give you and surround you with friends. A job. God would love to provide for you. Provision. And thirdly, I'm just going to invite the band up. Thank you. Thirdly, a new perception. Got to change your belief and confession. You see, at the end of this, this passage, we read these powerful verse. It says so in verse 13, so Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, for he ate continually at the king's table. Great, isn't it? Great. Great. But in the Bible, the last verse of this chapter, before it goes on to the next chapter of David's life, it says about Mephibosheth, and he was lame in both his feet. You see, God provided for Mephibosheth in so many amazing ways in so many amazing ways the privilege of, of being sat at the king's table to eat all the days of his life the privilege of being able to have servants and lands that he never thought he'd ever have his situation had changed yet he was still lame in both feet Church, maybe some situations in your life won't change. But you've got a choice, as Mephibosheth had a choice. And there's a bit of debate about what he did later on, whether it was good or whether it was bad, and whether it really happened or whether it was a lie. There was talk about whether he actually tried to reclaim the throne, King David's throne, back to the line of Saul again. And there was two people, Zeba, the servant, and Mephibosheth saying two different things, and David had to make a judgment call. It's all about perception. You, all your situations can change, but if your perception of yourself is still the same, everything around me has changed, but I'm still the same. I'm still looking down on myself. My prospects are no good. I've got, I've got a seat at the king's table, but does it really make a difference? Can I say this? God wants to bless you and help you. But your perception of yourself has to change. We've got to change with the change. And even though he might have still been lame, and for whatever reason, God could have healed him, but he didn't. He was still lame in both feet. God saw him as a victor and not a victim. God sees you as a victor and not a victim. If you see yourself only as a victim, 
and you'll go li- living your life, the rest of your life, not to be morbid, but it could be a month, a few years. We don't know how long we've got. You could live the rest of your days as a victim under your changing circumstances. Or you can say, no, I've got a place at the king's table. I've got challenging situations. Life is changing for me, but in those situations, in the lameness of my life, in the lameness of my attitude, in the lameness of my background, how I've been brought up, the deal that I've been dealt, I trust God. I choose to trust God. I choose to believe that my best days are ahead of me, despite me, because it's got nothing to do with me. It's got nothing to do with you. It's all about the goodness of God, the kindness of God. And God wants to show you kindness and goodness despite your limitations. It's got nothing to do with your lameness. It's got nothing to do with what you think about yourself. But trust God. Don't limit God because of how you think about yourself. Don't limit God. God is too big to be limited, but don't limit Him. He wants to bless you. He wants to help you. He wants to guide you. He wants to lead you from strength to strength, from glory to glory. But we've got to trust Him and change our perception about who we are and who He is. Amen? Give us a wave if you think we serve a big God. A big God. Come on, rise to your feet right now. A big God is above our situations. A big God who's above our limitations. A big God who can find us in Lodabar, the place where there is no future or no hope. He can find you where you are. He can find you in your limitations. He can find you where you are. And He wants to bring you forward out of Lodabar into a place of pasture, a place where He's got a plan and purpose. Find you. Oh, His plan and purpose found David in the, looking after the sheep. And on the outside, He wasn't the tallest. But on the inside, God knew His heart. God knows your heart. But you've got to change your perception of who you are and who God is. In your weakness, in your limitations, God allows us our weakness and our limitations because it keeps us trusting Him and relying on God. And right now, I want to pray for you particularly right now. Every eye shut, every head bowed right now. If you right now just want a feeling and sense, God, God, I need to change my perception about some things in my life. Some things, just wave your hand. I just want to lead you in a prayer right now. I want to change my perception about some things in my life because you want to be kind to me. You want to be good to me. Raise your hand. I'm going to pray. Great, great, great. That's good, that's good, great. Come, let's pray, family. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for, your, for all your people this morning, God. Those listening on podcasts, those here in this room physically. And we thank you, Lord. You want to move us from strength to strength, lead us from glory to glory. Not because of who we are, but because of who you are, that you are so kind, so good, so faithful, so merciful, so loving, so graceful. Oh, we thank you for your grace, your love and your mercy. And I pray for my brothers and sisters today, those that God may may change their perception, change the way they're viewing certain things in their life, including their background, their upbringing, what they have in their hand at the moment, where they are, and even themselves. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that a fresh boldness will come into them, that they can start to see, believe differently, but also declare differently who you've made them. If you've been struggling, start to declare differently. Let your declaration start to change. You say things like, I am a child of God. I've got a seat at the king's table. Your your declaration, your confession needs to change because God loves you so much. Move from a place of belief to a a place of confession and let your, let new boldness arise in you, new optimism arise in you. 
because God loves you and God wants to be kind to you. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And I pray that over all my friends here today, God, that Lord, we would know your goodness and your mercy. Goodness when we need you to do things. Mercy when we're sorry for the things that we've done wrong. All the days of our life. That we will dwell, we'll be forever dwelling in your house, praising you in Jesus' name. And right now, with every head bowed and eyes closed, if you're here today, and maybe you've never given your life to Jesus, maybe you're new to this thing, new to coming to church, but there's something in your heart that says today, I need Jesus. I need this Jesus. I need a place at this King's table. I need this place where God can meet my needs, but it involves change. And God would want you to say, yes, come. Come as you are. Come in your lameness. Come as you are. Come with your faults. Come with your failings. But he wants to take your life and make it so much different and so much better. So you've got to give him the steering wheel of your life. You've got to say, God, take my life and make it something different. And we've got to come to a sense of obedience. If you're new here today or just you, you know that you haven't got a relationship with God, well, today could be your day where your life changes forever. Maybe you're here today and you, you would call yourself a Christ follower, but in your heart, you're backslidden. Your heart has grown cold to following God, the things of God, maybe through disappointment, whatever. God will call, want to call you back to the king's table to come on, come on, keep loving, keep serving. There's forgiveness, there's forgiveness. So right now across this place, if you want to say, God, I, want, I need God today. I need Jesus today. I want to lead you in a simple prayer. Just raise your hand high so I can see it right now across this place. I need Jesus. I need Jesus. Great, great. I need Jesus. I need Jesus. Great. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Come on, church. Let's sing this out. Let's say this out loud together. Come on. Dear Father God, thank you that you love me. Thank you that you sent Jesus to die for me, to forgive me of all my sins. Thank you that you call me to your table. You call me a a child of God. Would you forgive my sins? Would you give me a fresh start? Would you change my life forever? I give control of my life to you and make something beautiful with the rest of my life. In Jesus' name. Come on, let's give God the glory this morning. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We hope that you enjoyed this message. For many more resources and for more information, visit our website at www.life.com dash cc dot org